This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to The Letter from the Bureau, a special series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagyashri Gareka. The Letter from the Bureau is like a scenic detour from the raging news of the day. We talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises that break around us. I chat each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the United States, and Europe. And they share with you interesting trends and events and ideas that are unfolding in their countries. In our 16th episode, we are speaking with ST's Japan correspondent, Walter Sim. Good to have you on the show, Walter. Thanks for having me, Bhagya. Now, you filed a very interesting story recently, Walter. Uh, You said thousands of trees are being chopped down across Japan. And some of these trees are more than a century old. Now, that seems such a pity. Why are they chopping down these trees? And how many? Well, I think it's quite impossible to count, given that there are many projects ongoing throughout Japan. But as for the reason, well, I I think it's always in the name of development, especially in urban areas. Trees are being chopped down to make way for gleaming new sports complexes, um, for glamping sites, for shopping malls, for high-rise office buildings. So amongst the examples that have made the news recently include one highly visible project in Tokyo's Meiji Jingu Gaien district. So that area is famous for its row of ginkgo trees that turn into dazzling hues of yellow and gold in autumn. And these trees are set to make way for the construction of a new baseball ground, high-rise buildings, as well as other mixed-use facilities. One silver lining may be that since the article was published in July, and in the face of stiff opposition from civic society as well as even a Japan-based UNESCO-related entity, this plan has been toned down. So the initial plan was for nearly 1,000 trees in the area to be chopped, but more than 400 of these trees may be spared. Elsewhere in Tokyo, there's also an area called Jimbocho, which is known to be the cradle of Japanese academia and is currently home to many second-hand bookstores. So local residents there are protesting the plan to chop down up to 180 ginkgo trees for the widening of roads as well as other redevelopment works. Um, also over in Yokohama, in the in a district called Kamiseya, um, a row of sakura trees are due to be chopped down so as to widen roads ahead of the World Horticultural Exposition in 2027, whilst local authorities also plan to build a theme park and other tourism facilities in the region. So these examples are but the tip of the iceberg as trees are being felt nationwide. Uh, we see 7,000 trees having been cut down in Shinagawa and Tokyo, 9,000 trees uh, by the roadside have been chopped down in Osaka. Elsewhere in Hyogo Prefecture, also in Western Japan, nearly 1,000 trees in Akashi Park have been chopped, though the plan was suspended after locals protested against it. So all this is but the tip of the iceberg. And even in rural Japan, if you travel there, you're also bound to notice, say, large bald patches or forested areas because the trees have been leveled for the installation of solar panels. Wow, that sounds like tens of thousands of them. It's curious, though, that all of them appear to be in the same time frame. Is something afoot? Is it just a coincidence or uh, what's going on? Yes, I I think it is indeed quite curious that all this appears to be happening at the same time. But 
I, I do think that this is maybe par for the course for a country that is very addicted to development. The authorities have justified you know, chopping down trees by making statements such as how they will not cut down more trees than necessary by saying that, you know, they'll try as far as possible to transplant the trees that have been felled to another location so as to reduce the environmental impact. The authorities have also argued that, you know, old trees are costly to prune, to maintain, to rehabilitate if they fall ill. And this argument indeed has won some support. There are also, of course, people who say that, you know, development is good, widening of roads may resolve traffic congestion problems, could help facilitate the installation of bicycle lanes, which is all the rage in Japan right now. And then um, the building of new facilities may also drive demand to local areas, resulting in higher real estate value. So all these people who are for development may accuse tree lovers for sentimentalism on their part, for being irrational, for the chopping down of trees, arguing that you know new trees can always be planted. Yet on the other hand, reaction has of course been mixed. There's pushback uh, from environmentalists who say that even if new trees are planted, it will take decades for these trees to acquire the foliage necessary to mitigate the heat island effect. And Japan has this year experienced its hottest summer on record with record-breaking temperatures. Urban Japan is also not exactly known for its greenery, even though there are little pockets of greenery throughout the city areas. So there's another argument among tree lovers that you know trees are living creatures which are essential to forming the complexion of local areas and, and creating this sense of local community. So um, to take the Meiji Jingu Gai and Ginkgo trees, for example, they are so iconic that they are a tourist attraction by their own right. In autumn, tourists flock there to take photographs. These trees have formed the backdrop of many television dramas. So there's this sense of connection with the area, even amongst Japanese and far-flung areas who have not exactly been there. Over in Yokohama, the Sakura trees there, for instance, are located next to large plots of land where people can gather for picnics every spring. And so there's this community building element to it as well, I think. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to my conversation with ST's Japan correspondent, Walter Sim. So, you know, speaking as a I, I guess I would readily identify myself as a tree lover too because I am just blown away anytime I see a very beautiful tree. You know, I, I think personally I would weigh in favor of saving as many as you can and possibly not, not cutting down a single one. But then, you know, I do understand there is the strong development argument too. I mean, as traffic grows, you would need to widen the road. I mean, people expect convenience as well, right, in their lifestyles. And uh, I think I think there's arguments both sides but i'm curious to know as far as the you know those who say don't chop them down how exactly are they mobilizing their support right one interesting point amongst you know tree lovers as well as environmentalists is that they argue that japan is being hypocritical in in japan the united nations sustainable development goals or sdgs is all the buzzword you know this is even included in school curriculum the badges of the SDGs logo are usually pinned onto the lapels of business suits by companies, by corporate executives. And yet, this very action of chopping down trees, um, say environmentalists, flies against the face of conventional wisdom of sustainability because this imposes a burden on the ecosystem. 
Um, so with, with that in mind, tree lovers try to mobilize support through multiple means. One very common avenue is through online petitions on change.org. So whilst many local governments may ignore such petitions, some municipalities have actually suspended their plans in line with these online um, campaigns. So one example is, I cited earlier, was the plan to chop down trees in Akashi Park in Hyogo Prefecture, uh, which was suspended after after this online petition gained some traction. Another plan that was successful, I think quite recently, was a plan to lock down giant trees that are native to Ishigaki Island in Okinawa for wood to be used in the rebuilding of the Shuri Castle that was burnt down in 2019. So this plan was stopped after an online petition gained traction as well. Besides going online, there are also physical events to raise awareness by environmentalists who are against um, you know, such plans to, to fell trees. Those who are involved in the Meiji Jingu Gaian Development Plan, for instance, recently held an event in line with the outdoor brand Patagonia and Shibuya so as to raise awareness amongst passers-by. And the more committed have even staged protests and even overnight sit-ins at sites where trees are due to be felt so as to stop workers from actually doing their work. Right. So, you know, you think of Japan and trees and sooner or later the idea of cherry blossoms and celebrated sakura trees actually come to your mind. And I was thinking because of that connection and generally because this seems to have exercised the people quite a bit, how has it gone politically? Has the Prime Minister Kishida, for instance, weighed in? And, um, you know, how do you see this whole issue resolving? Well, Unfortunately, Prime Minister Kishida has not weighed in on this. And I think at the national level, they are not exactly treating the issue that seriously at this point. There is very little traction in Japan to create tree protection laws like those in the European Union or in Australia that prevent the chopping down of trees. And at a recent press briefing, when I asked then Environment Minister Tsuyoshi Yamaguchi about you know, the need to preserve greenery in urban areas. He said that he agrees that this was important, but ultimately that this was really one for local municipalities and governments to decide. And as such, I don't think there's a quick resolution to the issue because there is no national level consensus or national level uh, momentum to towards resolving this issue. And it still appears to really be up to environmentalists, to tree lovers to take the lead and ramp up their campaigns to prevent trees from being felt by local governments. Um, the silver lining, however, is that you know because of the high visibility and high profile of the Meiji Jingu Gaian plan, this might serve to be impetus for a national level action eventually, but we will have to see about that. Right. Uh, so interesting to learn about all this, uh, Walter, and well, one hopes that good sense prevails and good sense not just looking at, you know, the next five years, but even longer. So, you know, that that's where you need to be wise about uh, these developments. All very well to say that you can plant new trees, I suppose, but, um, you know, the old ones have their own charms and a part in the ecosystem that they play. So um, thank you, Walter, for all that interesting information. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Bagya. And with that, it's a wrap for Letter from the Bureau. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you'd like to read Walter's column, we have a link for you in our podcast description box. And you will also find there links to other stories in our Letter from the Bureau series. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. 
Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.